What's up, everybody? Uh, this is the Q&A show that we do every single Tuesday evening at around 5.45 with Dr. Rogers. Um, Dr. Rogers, how are you? Hey, man. How you doing? Um, I, I feel like we need to just do the do the first three or four minutes where you and I just catch up a little bit and we, you know, tell each other about our days, you know, where you got your last haircut, um, where I should get my next haircut. Yeah. That's probably where you should get your next one too. (laughs) You have to wear a hat. I don't have to wear a hat today. So, Uh, well, uh, well, as always, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to be here with you. We got some, we got some really good questions and, I just want to thank everybody who who is sending in their question uh, during the week. We we in fact got more more than more than five this week. So there's going to be a few we have to uh, push to next week because um, we like to take some some live questions. Uh, but man, these these questions we got are are really good. And uh, if you're with us now, if you're live with us, um, just and have a question for Dr. Rogers, uh, put it in the comments. We will get that. Uh, get to that towards the end of the broadcast. Uh, it's my favorite time of the of the show. We we love interacting with you guys. Um, so without further ado, here we're going to go ahead and get started. Doc, is that cool? Yeah. All right. And this is a this first one's a general question, but I, I think a really a really good one. Uh, what is the healthiest diet slash way of eating? Man, that's a really broad topic there. Um, it depends on what your goals are. I mean, again, um, avoiding sugar, avoiding as many processed foods as you can avoid. Um, in general, if any if any food is advertised on TV or radio, don't get it. It's usually not good. So, you know, most people that come to me are, are either overweight or they're tired or they're aching and they're inflamed. So. You know, there's no doubt that um, eating non-inflammatory foods help. Um, and, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, there's two basic things I think premises most people go on. Either they do a fairly low-carb, high-fat, moderate-protein diet, um, and intermittent fasting, which I really promote, or um, they can tolerate a and stay on a plant-based diet. I think they're both good. A lot of it depends on the individual. I mean, people are different. Their digestive systems are different, you know, and that microbiome, those good versus bad bacteria in your gut really determine a lot about your health. Um, But sugar is the number one bad boy. Um, Everybody needs to balance their gut through pre and probiotics. most people need digestive enzymes. Um, and if they're having gut problems and they're not going to be healthy, you know, they're a lot more likely to get autoimmune diseases, feel fatigued and all. So the first thing I ask a person when they come into my office as a new patient, and they're usually not feeling good when they come to see me, is tell me about your gut. And 99% of the time it's, you know, my gut's not good. And so that's where you start. So, you know, it depends on the goal. Some people even do food allergy testing, food sensitivities. Some people can eat certain foods. Other people can't eat it. Um, and a lot of the times it's because of the way that gut microbiome digests the food. Um, so, 
Um, great question. Most of us eat too much, too. I mean, calorie restriction is the only proven way that uh, you can prolong your life, really. Uh, a lot of the things we do that are a cal calorie-restricting, mimicking diet uh, uh, are, are the best ways to eat. So uh, quit eating too much. Either do a low-carb, higher good-fat, moderate-protein diet, or maybe a plant-based diet. You can experiment with both, and, and definitely intermittent fasting. We don't need to be grazing all day and all, all night long. Um, so I hope that helps you. Uh, stay away from glutens and uh, dairy for the most part. Um, you know, those are inflammatory for most people. So is that because you, you did say you mentioned it's it's very personalized. Um, is there any like, you know, places that everyone really should start that's in general is good for for everybody? Uh, you know, we talk a lot about insulin levels. We talk a lot about, um, you know, healthy aging. Does the low carb, high healthy fat and moderate protein way of eating kind of hit all those boxes? Yeah, it usually does, you know, um, you need to get your vegetables in there and your nutrients. Um, you don't need to eat at night. Um, when I stopped eating breakfast, I felt a lot better. Plus, I got to work on time, too. But, uh, you know, um, so everybody's a little different. Everybody has different food sensitivities. One of the main thing has been balancing the gut, you know, really that microbiome. And that's why... I love the probiotic, prebiotic, digestive enzymes, gluten blocker, dairy blocker, and digest shield. I keep pushing that, but that's one of the best things I've done for for me, the family, and most most of my patients that have irritable bowel, etc. So um, I like the digest shield. Um, so great question. It's variable, but those are some of the general guidelines, especially stay away from sugar. Okay. That's terrible. All right. We're going to go to the next one here. Um, if you're trying to get rid of yeast in the gut, what supplement or foods would you recommend to address that situation? That's a good question. That kind of follows that last question, addressing the microbiome. And I saw a lady today who had a lot of yeast overgrowth in her in her gut. Um, you know, if somebody suffers from bloating, weird rashes, itchiness, chronic fatigue, a lot of gas, a lot of heartburn, irregular bowel movements, they may have a yeast overgrowth. And you have to remember that um, most people have some yeast if you do a stool culture in their yeast. It just, if when it overwhelms the digestive system, it can lead to all kinds of systemic problems and um, the people that have these yeast overgrowths are people that have taken too many um, antibiotics in their lifetime or they're not on probiotics um, birth control pills can cause yeast overgrowth um, I read a book about 35 years ago given to me by a patient called the yeast connection I thought they were nuts at the time but comes it, really they were right and uh you know i didn't dismiss them like that I, I actually read the book and and actually tried to help them but so 
Um, balance the gut microbiome with a good probiotic and prebiotic combination, um, especially one that has Saccharomyces. That that um, probiotic seems to help a lot. Um, so you need to kind of get on a good probiotic, kill off the yeast. Uh, I think a good way to do that. Well, and cut out sugar. Yeast love sugar. That's why diabetics get a lot of yeast infections because uh, they can't handle sugar. Um, ironically, apple cider vinegar uh, will kill off yeast. Um, Berberine is a nice supplement that will kill off yeast. Um, and, it's, and it's ironic, a lot of people that have this yeast dial feel worse before they feel better. Um, but definitely starting with a good diet and eliminating sugars and and processed foods. Um, sometimes I'll even use an, uh, an antifungal like Diflucan for up to a month. Uh, sometimes that really helps them feel better. Um, but apple cider vinegar, get on a great probiotic and balance that gut microbiome. Replenish the gut with good bacteria. Take the bad bacteria and yeast out and start eating a, a great diet. Um, Great question. Is a, stool, is a stool sample the only way to know for sure that you have yeast in your gut or is there like other tests you can that's, run? Well, that's the gold standard is running a stool, stool culture. Um, and again, most people are going to have some in. It's just when they get overwhelmed. So listen to the symptoms that they have and look at what their diet's doing and see what supplements they're taking. They're probably not even taking a probiotic. Or they may be diabetic with uncontrolled sugars. So um, rashes, vaginal yeast infections, etc., is a clue off. Um, rashes are on your tongue can sometimes be a clue. Rashes in the corners of your mouth. Um, sometimes even rosacea, things like that. Eczema. Uh, great question. That is a great One question. Taking a, a probiotic seems to be... You know, thinking about the eighty twenty, um, it seems to be one thing you could do that could solve a lot of uh, a lot of things. Um, okay, is next question is um, is there a particular form of NAD plus that is better absorbed? And I believe they uh, they mentioned you know whether through you know pill form lozenges. Is there anything in particular that you like um, in terms of getting NAD plus? There are lozenges for it um you know one of my favorite ways to raise nad plus in the in the body is to use uh, the precursor to it and that's nicotinamide riboside nr and that will boost your nad levels nad is it's it's more of an enzyme that um does a lot of things really it, it kind of helps clear out cellular debris stimulates sirtuins which are the ultimate anti-aging uh, molecules um, it the nr nad plus pathway is is one of the the anti-aging things that we do it definitely acts at a mitochondrial level on your atp levels which is responsible for energy um, so you think of it as energy sustaining it, it clears out cellular debris, uh, autophagy is a topic that we talk about, getting rid of the bad 
sales so that the new ones can come in and grow and have room. Um, and it, it's really NAD plus, or it's, it's a form of vitamin B3. It's a B vitamin. It's, it's different than niacin. Niacin is the one that we use to lower cholesterol and raise HDL cholesterol. But it's one that also causes a lot of flushing that you have to be careful that people can tolerate it. But uh, niacinamide or nicotinamide, same thing, uh, bypasses that, um, that flushing route. So, But it, it's one of those great things that I certainly take. Um, that seems to be pretty well absorbed is just, uh, I order it from life extension, the nicotinamide riboside. Um, so I, I think that's a great anti-aging. Maybe, you know, it's great for your skin. It's good for probably prevention of cancer. The thing about it, they, they don't have a lot of human studies with it. They have a lot of animal studies that, that show it works, but you know, with vitamins, they're not going to, do a lot of human studies. They just don't have enough money and nobody wants to do human studies with vitamins because there's no money in it. But there's a lot of research into animal studies um, that shows tremendous um, lifespan extension and just being healthier with that. So that's one of my go-tos for people that are getting little age and they want to do everything they can to kind of age better. Certainly, I take it myself. So, and can you say that word one more time? It's NR, and this is in in place of NAD plus. Is that right? Yeah, it stimulates NAD plus. It's the precursor to it. Nicotinamide riboside. And you would take this, yeah. uh, and you would not take NAD plus as a supplement. No, there's you could, you could take NAD plus also. Okay, there's good forms of NAD plus as well, um, but. So I just particularly like the nicotinamide riboside form a little bit better. Okay. Um, really good question. We actually haven't talked about NAD plus in a long time. We need to. It's one of those great anti-aging pathways. Yeah. Kind of like the, the uh, you know, the insulin pathway where metformin or berberine probably helps you age better and fights off cancer and things like that. And very protective of your heart. Um, How much it's interesting. It's interesting. Here's a really interesting fact that I read about this week. and We've mentioned it before, but, you know, because we always circle back to COVID, the current crisis, which is on a way upslide. I mean, we're treating a lot of COVID locally here now. Um, so there's a resurgence of COVID right now. Um, but for and if you have diabetes type two and you end up in the hospital, you're four times more likely to die uh, than a non-diabetic. But ironically, the diabetics that have to get in the hospital or are on metformin are less likely to die than the non-diabetics are. So there's some protective effect from COVID um, uh, with metformin. So, you know. That's really interesting. And, and last week you mentioned um, progesterone being uh, protective yeah. of COVID. It's, it's, it's just yeah. interesting. You know, it, it seems like, you know, people who are, um, kind of on this, um, I hate the word anti-aging, but this kind of anti-aging type, um, plan, um, seem to be protected. Uh, so that's very, that's very interesting. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Great question. So next one here, and I'll just remind everybody, if you got a question, uh, go ahead and put it, that in the comments. Uh, or if you just want to say hello, say hello in the comments. We're getting ready to uh, jump in those now. Um, but before that, we've got another question here. It is, what is your opinion of E3 uh, estriol for someone who is very sensitive to hormone replacement where estradiol creates negative side effects? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, you know, three main types of estrogens, E1, 2, and 3. Um, Estrone E1 is the most dangerous. It's the, it's the form that's most generated postmenopausally. Um, the one that's been associated more with breast cancer risk than, than the other two. E2, estradiol, is the most potent form of estrogen. And E3 is the one that's uh, definitely the most abundant and the safest. It's the weakest, so it won't help your hot flashes like estradiol will, but it's definitely anti-cancer. And the where I choose that, I, I use a lot of estriol more for vaginal dryness in the cream form. Now, when I use an oral cream or oral, I rarely use an oral estrogen at all, very rarely, but usually I use a cream that has biased in it. That means it has estradiol and estriol in there. So yeah, if, if you can certainly use a cream of estriol, um, if you're sensitive to estri, estradiol, I've used that many times and it, it does help. It's not gonna help your hot flashes but at least it does give you some estrogen replacement if you can't tolerate some of the other things. Uh, so that's a great question. Um, you know, you don't want to give unopposed estrogen. Uh, you need some progesterone in there too, even if you've had a hysterectomy and have no uterus. Progesterone is a key player as well, just like we talked about last week. So it's really that estrogen progesterone balance and the different forms of estrogen and even the way that the estrone is metabolized um, is important. And it gets kind of complex. Um, you know, estrone, the dangerous form of estrogens, can metabolize through three different pathways, the two, the four, and the 16. And the two is the safest. The four and the 16 are more dangerous. The four is the most dangerous. So sometimes I'll do a urine metabolite test called a Dutch test that will tell which pathway you go down through, you know, mostly genetically or um, however. So it can get pretty complex in the way you look at estrogen metabolism. So if a lot of women are worried about, you know, should I take any form of estrogen? I've had a family history of breast cancer or so on and so forth. Then I'll do a Dutch test that gives me a lot of other helpful information as well. It's kind of an expensive test and, and insurance doesn't cover it. But for those that are really worried about it or really want to dive deep into it, a lot of times I'll do a Dutch test to look at the different forms of um, how much you're naturally metabolizing. So, yeah, certainly use estriol, especially in vaginal creams. Very safe. Um, you know, it's not going to cause breast cancer um, and it will help local symptoms, especially of vaginal dryness. You're not going to get a lot of bone protection or heart protection like you will from estradiol from it. But for local, um, you know, at least you're getting some, certainly it will help some. But it's weak compared to estradiol. 
and we never use that strong, you know. And that's what Primarin, it was mostly a an estrone product, really from pregnant horse urine that got all the bad press. It turned a lot of people, unfortunately, off of hormone replacement therapy. You know, they didn't know the difference between a synthetic uh, estrogen and a natural estrogen, which is, or a bioidentical, identical to what your body produces, made from yams. So very safe. So. Um, all right, but that, that, that is a really good question. Info, but um, you know, just if you if you're considering hormone replacement, you just need to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, and 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 we probably should talk more about the the Dutch test because um, it is super. It's it's really complicated because uh, I've, I've looked into it a little bit. We've we've thought about doing a a podcast and a uh, a blog post on it, and it's a you know for the people who are really wanting to you know see how the whole thing works. And, and if there's any concern with hormones, the Dutch test is a, is a good way to go. Um, all right. So we're going to jump into the, to the comments here. Hello, Deb. What's going on, Catherine? Uh, Brandy. Hello, Becky. What's going on? Uh, Lori, we got some great questions in here. Um, okay. So I'm going to start up here. Let's see here. Deb asked, could you comment on best timing for taking vitamin supplements? Um, this depends on if they're water soluble or fat soluble. The fat soluble I like to take with fat food. The water soluble, like the B's and C's, are probably better taken on an empty stomach. You know, but most of the vitamins are fat soluble, so you, you know, A, D, E, and K, so you take them with food, better absorb less GI side effects. A lot of people can't take a lot of vitamins on, on an empty stomach. Certainly if you take zinc on an empty stomach, you're going to get very nauseated. So um, get your supplements in. I usually take mine mostly with meals except for C and, and B complex. So, because, um, you know, it can irritate your stomach a little bit. And I split mine up. I eat two meals a day. I split it up between lunch and dinner. So, and you would take some at night. So like, say for instance, if you're taking magnesium, you would take that at night. Magnesium because- at night. Yeah. Magnesium at night. Um, take an aspirin at night. Um, and, uh, sometimes of course, melatonin at night, L-theanine maybe. And the big thing uh, being whether or not it's with food or not. Yeah. Right. All right. Thank you for that, Deb. Um, let's see here. Let's go to Catherine's. Uh, how do you get protein in a vegan diet? That's a really good question. And uh, I know that's something that uh, a lot of people uh, are facing, especially if they're doing like a like a plant based or or a vegan type diet. What's your suggestion? There? I mean, they're, they're, you know, you can eat, you know, beans. Of course, um, there's a lot of ways. I'm not big on soy protein. Pea protein, I like. You can just do some supplements. Pea protein is my favorite. Um, but that's a tough one, you know. Sometimes it's tough to get enough good fats, too. Sometimes you have to supplement it with coconut oil, olive oil. Um, you know, use, uh, I, I like uh, avocados a lot. And, you know, you can get it through there. Uh, they have protein as well as fat. Um, but most of them, you know, uh, vegans need to take, you know, vitamins for sure, especially the B vitamins. 
um, and watch your iron levels. Um, I, I'm more of myself of a pescatarian. I, I eat red meat occasionally, but not near what I used to. So I do like fish. I'm, vegans are certainly not going to eat fish, you know, or dairy or eggs or anything. So great question. It's not easy. Maybe the, the, the pea protein shake or something along um, those lines, it sounds. Avocados. I did not know avocados had protein in it. Yeah, they do. Um, okay, let's go to, to Becky here. Uh, she asked, do you prefer NR? Um, I'm assuming that means the, that, that big word uh, that went with the NAD plus question over NMN. Yeah, I do. I like the NR form a lot better. Uh, I can't tell you exactly why, but I think it's just a, a good precursor to um, the NAD plus. And it, uh, it's just... It works good for me. I, I notice I get a lot more energy when I take it. Um, so I definitely think it activates that uh, mitochondrial uh, ATP cycle. So I do. I like NR. All right. We're going to go to, to Lori here. Um, did you say you have uh, seen an increase in COVID lately? Yeah, I have. There's, a, there's a definitely an uptick in this area. I think I, I think we treated 10 cases today all by phone of course yeah i mean there's an upswing it's odd we're, you know we're not over this thing yet i, I was thinking gosh it's getting better and it, death rates have gone down uh over time but even they're starting to spike a little bit fortunately we know we can treat it better we know a lot more about it you know before you go to the hospital after you get in the hospital you know, we have the monoclonal antibodies. And, of course, I when you get COVID, call us. I mean, I jump on it really early. Earlier the better. You can you can hum along and do great for five days and then crash. Um, Out of curiosity, like say you're doing great and you don't even really know you have it and then you crash. Have you seen that before where you end up, you know, you don't feel quite normal and then and then you hit a crash and so you weren't treating it because you weren't quite sure it was anything i haven't seen i haven't seen a lot of that at all to okay. be honest with you usually you come down with flu like said you're you're sick and if you're asymptomatic and had it you probably don't get minimal symptoms but people that crash they've been sick for got it usually days got it uh, and they just say this is the flu or i'm gonna do fine and especially if they have risk factors um, and there's some outliers that just crash for no reason at all. So early treatment. All right. Early treatment. Thank you, Lori. Um, we're going to go to Laura here. Um, how can you reverse insulin resistance? Uh, that's a really good question. And, uh, one that I know you get a lot of. Oh yeah. We do that every day. Um, of course, eating low carb, doing intermittent fasting, um, and then sometimes I'll use supplement in losing weight, losing abdominal fat, um, eating less. Um, then there's supplements like berberine is my favorite. Then if you have a high cholesterol along with it, I'll, I'll add bergamot, which comes from an Italian fruit. Um, and then I, I may use metformin. I may use uh, the GLP-1 inhibitors like, Ozempic, uh, um, 
so there's a lot of ways to get around. We can we can get almost anybody to overcome insulin resistance. I saw a lady today, her hemoglobin A1C was 4.9, which is really low, way away from diabetes, yet her insulin resistance number was 99. This is fasting. So very insulin resistant. And I put on Ozempic, low carb, intermittent fasting. Uh, it'll be very successful. Um, so great question. That, can you say a little bit more about Ozempic? We, we did a, uh, a, a outside the, the box stories with, with Julie Ashens uh, about Ozempic and, and, you know, she had lost a, a whole bunch of weight on it. Is this, is that something you use a lot for, you know, insulin resistance in particular? Oh yeah. Every day, you know, it's a diabetic drug. It's a GLP one inhibitor, which it's kind of, kind of interesting how it works. It really works in four ways. It, it um, delays gastric emptying. So you feel full longer. Um, it slows down your digestion. It uh, lowers your insulin level directly. It lowers glucagon output by the liver and also hits your appetite control center. So you're not hungry. Um, so I use a lot. It's a diabetic shot. That's once a week. Um, you can't use it if you've had pancreatitis or history of, uh, something called MEN syndrome number two, which is rare as hen's teeth, but certainly anybody with pancreatitis, I don't use it, but gosh, it's, it's like been the drug of the last year or two that we've had much success with and for weight loss, even in non-diabetics and those that are insulin resistant. So yeah, people, people love it. And I'm, I'm seeing in the comments, uh, Becky loves it as well. Like it, it's a, it's a real, um, life changer for many people. Um, encourage everybody to go listen to that outside the box stories. Uh, that looks like it wraps it up for today's Q and a show. Um, guys who are with us, thank you for, for hanging out, uh, on this Tuesday evening, as always. Uh, I want to remind everybody, we do have a, an event coming up April 13th. Uh, myself will be there. Dr. Roger will be there. We're going to go over the evolve device. So all things body contouring, uh, you can RSVP with our Johnson City office uh, by calling their number. Um, so, guys, thank you so much. Dr. Rogers, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I want to ask you what you're having for dinner and do all that, but I don't want to waste anybody's time. So I'm going to go ahead. And, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and end it. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we will see you all next week. Thanks, man. All right. See you, Doc. Thank you. You're great. Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.